I love Sunday mornings. As a preacher, a pastor, of course I do, because I love to see you gathered together in his name to hear his word, because I believe his word has the power to change our lives. Amen. Does anybody believe that? It's really the word of God. You, we sometimes forget even Jesus lived by the word of God, right? And it's so important for us to be delving into his word, not just on Sunday mornings. I want to encourage you to really be focused in. I'm endeavoring to read through the Bible uh, this year and trying to keep up with that. I want to encourage you, if you're on that path and you fall and you miss a few chapters or whatever, just get back up and keep going. Can I tell you the secret to success in your Christian life? Just don't give up. Amen. Just get up and keep moving towards God, and God has great things ahead. How many believe that today? Well, if you have your Bible, go ahead and do, turn to Luke 22. We're going to look down around verse 31, and then we're going to go to 49, and then we're going to go to 59. And today, I just want to present to you this passage that's been on my heart lately, and to look at some things uh, from this of the fact that the devil desires to attack If you didn't know this morning that you're in a spiritual battle, let me wake you up a little bit with the word of God and tell you that you are in a battle. There's nothing worse than being in a battle and not knowing where the shots are coming from, amen? Not knowing where the attack is coming from. And as we look at this today, Jesus very clearly told his disciples where the attack was coming from, what the attack was going to be. But yet we see in there that they didn't heed the warning. Everybody say warning. Warning. I hope you understand this morning that the Bible is full of warnings, right? Matter of fact, I'm a history buff. Do I have any history buffs here in the house this morning? I love history. Good old history channel. I like to watch, especially World War II. Of course, when you turn on the history channel, that's probably 70% of what it is, at least back when I used to watch it. There's so much junk on TV It's really probably the only wholesome thing we can watch, right? National Geographic and a little bit of History Channel. So I've always been enamored and really enjoyed studying that period of time because it amazes me of stories like Pearl Harbor. Anybody, you know, probably most people in here um, know that story maybe even better than I do. But in 1941, we all know what happened. There was a surprise attack on Pearl Harbor And what happened was the people weren't ready for the attack, right? It was a sunny day, according to historians. It was a weekend. It was a Sunday. And on that particular Sunday, they had actually given passes to most of the base. So they didn't even have a lot of the troops on base. And the interesting thing as you study that is the fact that they had actually installed on the island there in Hawaii radars that picked up the planes that were coming in for the attack. They picked them up, and they said to each other, we're expecting a lot of troops from the mainland, so we assume that it's troops that are flying in, not an attack. And there's other stories there that uh, one destroyer was out doing some uh, just some, some mission. They were out just doing some maneuvers and practicing and the destroyer was off the coast of Hawaii and they actually spotted one of the Japanese subs and fired at it, but yet they didn't relay that warning up the chain of command. And my point is simple yet profound, that if they would have heeded the warnings 
they could have, have resisted what the enemy was getting ready to do instead of ignoring what the enemy was getting ready to do. And I came to tell you this morning, is, is I have a beautiful story of redemption right there in the story we're about to read that will just absolutely bless you. I really believe that anybody that comes into church are usually overwhelmed and under-encouraged, right? Yes. They really are. Most people you'll meet in life are overwhelmed and under-encouraged. So I want to show you a beautiful picture of redemption today, but I have to first set it up like we're going to look here in Luke 22, that there are warnings in the Bible of what the enemy is trying to do. And if we don't heed those warnings, then sometimes we can leave ourselves vulnerable to an attack. Does that make sense this morning? Look in Luke 22 and we'll go through this. Luke 22, jump down to verse 31 and we'll read to 34. And then I'm going to have you go to 49. And then we'll end up in 59. Amen? Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times that you know me. Now look down at verse 49. When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? Now, they have moved from the upper room. They're in the garden. Jesus has been praying as great, great drops of blood were perspiring on his forehead. And now they're coming to arrest him. And they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Now go down to verse 59. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him for he is a Galilean. Now we've moved to Jesus's court trial. We've moved to Jesus has been arrested. Peter has followed him to the point where he's trying to see what's going on. And now we see Peter in the place of denial. Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he, Peter, went outside and wept bitterly. Father, for these next few minutes, Lord God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, you have ordained who is sitting in this room today. We know that before the foundation of time even began, you knew we would be here. You knew you would be here. And, Lord, we want to give you all the honor and glory and say, Lord, help us today with the word. Help us receive it. Help me preach it. And, God, anoint it so that it is used for your glory and the building up of the saints. Lord, challenge us today. Warn us today. And, God, ultimately encourage the hearts of the people of God who have gathered here in your name. Lord, we love you and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. One common element about the attack on Pearl Harbor is no one believed that it could happen until it happened, right? And listen, there's something that sticks out about the story of Pearl Harbor that just, as a preacher, it just lights up in me of the simple fact that oftentimes when there's a warning that the enemy is up to something, 
we tend to think that we are either in a different place spiritually, prepared differently spiritually, or what have you, and we don't heed the warnings. What we see right there in the scriptures that we read was simply this. They're in the upper room. They are taking communion. Jesus is instituting communion, and Jesus gives a warning. But I want to tell you, first off today, what I see here is simply this. We are in a spiritual battle. Everybody say spiritual battle this morning. And we are warned that this battle all throughout Scripture, like John 10.10, Jesus himself is saying these words in John 10.10. He says, you have an enemy, and he's like a thief who steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he desires to do, to steal something from you, to do work in your life that still kill, steal, kills, and destroys. Peter himself in 1 Peter 5 tells us that the enemy is like a lion seeking whom he may devour. So we see all through Scripture, Paul says in Ephesians, he says this. He says, listen, the weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God and through God for the pulling down of strongholds. And then he encourages the people of God to put on the armor. Everybody say armor. Armor. If you weren't in a battle, God would have never provided armor. If you're not facing an adversary, God would have never provided these things. And he tells them, put on the whole armor of God. People really fall in one or two areas of spiritual warfare. In other words, understanding that we really do have an enemy. Jesus in Luke 22 was simply telling his disciples, look, you have an enemy that's going to be coming against you. And I want to warn you of this. And oftentimes what we do is we either, we either oversimplify it or we undersimplify it. We either overestimate it or we underestimate it. And what I want to teach this church to do is to take the enemy seriously enough that we are on guard, amen, that we are ready, that we are have ourselves armored up and have our weapons of our warfare ready for when the enemy, not if, but when the enemy, you say, why would the enemy hate me so much? Because he hates God. You are created in the image of God. You're one of his children. And it's certainly probably hatred towards us as believers, certainly. But can I just give you a little background of why he hates God so much? God created beings. They're called angels. They lived in perfect harmony with God in heaven. And we know one of them was named Lucifer. And then we see through scripture, especially in Revelation, that it says there was a war in heaven. What was the war in heaven? Lucifer in his pride said, I will ascend to God's throne. And the Revelation tells us there was war in heaven and he got kicked out, right? So that war has now come down onto the earth. Who's on earth? You and I. (laughs) Who's on earth? The enemy, right? And listen, we either overestimate that or we underestimate that. In other words, if you underestimate it and you live your life so carnally minded that you're never focused on heaven and the enemy and what he's up to and doing, when you live carnally minded, you're not focused and ready and wary. The Bible tells us very clearly, be vigilant and be sober, The Bible warns us and tells us you have an enemy. Paul even said sometimes the enemy is yourself because you have a war going on on the inside between spirit and between flesh. 
and there's even a war there all throughout the Bible. In other words, don't look for peace in time of war. Pearl Harbor is a great example because they said this, that can never happen to us. And if you're over underestimating it, you tend to go through life and everything that you see happening around you is just likened to just happening around you. Now, if you un- overestimate it, what people get fall into the trap of is everything's the enemy, right? You get a flat tire and you're rebuking the devil. No, air it up and go on down the road. I lost my job, Pastor. Rebuke Satan in the name of Jesus. And Satan's over here like, I didn't do anything. They didn't show up from work and they didn't, right? Satan's over here like, man, I didn't do anything. So listen, we tend to underestimate and we tend to overestimate. So I just want to paint a picture here that Jesus was very clear to his disciples that were gathered there that day. You are in a war. You are in a fight. Everybody say, I'm in a fight. But what we see here is Simon Peter in particular kind of stepped back and said some things, I believe, that we say of thinking that this could never happen to me. And so my first point today is simply this. There will be an attack. Everybody say, there will be an attack. attack. You're like, great, I came to church and I'm hearing this. Let me get to the good part. Amen? Amen. This This is honestly very, very, very important. Because, again, if you don't know that there will be a battle, if you don't know that the enemy's on the radar, if you don't know that the, the submarine is out there with torpedoes loaded and ready and ready to attack, then you're not on alert. We are living in days and times where the people of God need to wake up and be on alert and sober-minded and vigilant of what the enemy is up to. Here's the beautiful thing, though. Listen to me. Jesus will prepare you for the attack If you're listening, everybody say, I'm listening. Jesus prepared Peter for the attack. And I want you to notice this. Look again at Luke 22, verse 31. I want you to see this morning how Peter begins to respond to the information, just like I'm giving you information from the word of God, that you have an enemy. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. You have an enemy that would love to come in and cause havoc in your family. And as you look at this this morning, here was Peter's response. I want you to see this. Because Peter began, listen, at Pearl Harbor, they ignored some things instead of resisting some things. Does that make sense? If they wouldn't have ignored, then they would have called all the troops back and began to say, listen, instead of ignoring this, we need to resist this. And can I tell you something this morning? If you resist the devil and submit to God, the promise is he will flee from you. But we're not resisting and we're not submitting. And when you resist and submit to God, then the devil doesn't have any sway over you. Amen? Amen. Look at verse 31 again. Simon, Simon, if Jesus says something twice, you better listen. Satan has asked you to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. He's warning Simon here. Simon, there's going to be an attack. And he says, the enemy has asked that he may sift you as wheat. How many helped grandma bake back in the day? Did anybody's grandma have a sifter? I loved helping my grandma. And listen, my grandma was not going to bake something without first putting it. And listen, there were two, I don't know which sifter that Jesus is referring to here. 
but there were two kinds of sifters that my, I'd help my grandma sift, right? Anybody remember the one that you churn? Yeah. So there's a churning process to sifting, and there's a shaking process to shifting. And I don't know which one that he was referring to here, but the principle is very clear that, Peter, there's going to be a churning and there's going to be a shaking coming for you in your life. And I have prayed for you. Do you notice that he didn't say that I rebuke the devil and he's not allowed to come in and try to attack your life? He said, Peter, get ready, get your armor on because there is a churning and there is a sifting that's beginning to happen in your life. Now, the interesting thing about sifting, I looked up the definition of sifting. It's up there in my notes, but let me give you the Reader's Digest version. The Reader's Digest version literally says this. It's to remove something that would get into the cake or what you're baking and cause it to sink. Now, think about something for a second. Peter, in the place that he's sitting in right here in this moment, he had a problem that many people have, including myself at times. He had a problem saying, that would never be me. That could never, it's the same problem at Pearl Harbor. Same problem when the enemy comes in to try to do something in our lives. Oftentimes we simply say, well, How do I know that Peter had this attitude right then in his mind and in his heart? Think about something for a second. When you read Luke 22, Jesus comes and he brings them all together. It's the night before he is going. That night he's going to be arrested. He's going to be tried. The next day he's going to be crucified for the sins of the world. And he gathers them together for the Passover meal. And he gets them together and he institutes communion. We'll be having communion next week, by the way. So come join us. He says, this is my body, this is my blood, this is the wine, this is the bread. Do this in remembrance of me. He institutes that. And then he goes, listen, in, your, in my Bible, there's subheadings. Jesus institutes communion. Next subheading, Jesus warns them that somebody sitting at the table will betray him. The next subheading says this. Here's what it says. And then they begin to argue amongst themselves of who was greatest in the kingdom of God. What does that tell me? Is pride cometh before a fall. Because nobody sitting around that table said to the other, it could be me. They completely ignored the warning. Are you listening to me? They completely ignored what Jesus was saying to them in the moment. How do I know that? Because they all began to say, hey. When Jesus comes into his glory, am I going to sit on his right hand? No, I think I'm going to sit on his right hand. Am I going to have a high-level position in the kingdom when he comes into his kingdom, when he sits on his throne? Is this going to be me? And they began to argue amongst themselves, the Bible says. Jesus has just told them one of them is going to betray. And they go into arguing about who is greatest in the kingdom of God. And here's my theory. The content is undeniable, but let me give you my guess of what was happening at the table. Peter was winning the argument. Peter's like, hey, I'm the one that stepped out of the boat. I'm the one who is brave. I'm the one who is the boldest. I'm the one who's going to lead everybody 
once all this goes down. I'm the one that's going to do this. I'm the one that's going to do that. Do you understand how, how pride can creep into our lives where we're looking around and, and Jesus has just said, listen, one of you is going to betray me, but they all sat there and thought it can never be me. Do you understand some of the most dangerous words you can say as a Christian is I would never? That's what you're seeing play out here at the table. And and Jesus looks and says, Peter, son, listen to me for just a second. The scripture we just read. Stop. Before the rooster crows, buddy, Peter had a sinking problem. Didn't have a drinking problem. He had a sinking problem. How do I know that? Can I tell you what else we see that Peter had? He had a false bravado and really truly operated in fear. How, how do I know that? We see in the scripture that Jesus is walking across the water, right? And Peter sees him, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come to you. He sees Jesus and Jesus says, come. And again, the content is undeniable, but let me give you a little liberty. Jesus, or Peter being Peter, I think, you know, stepped out of the boat a little high-stepping. Come on. <laughs> kind of looked back and winks at everybody else that was too scared to get out of the boat. And he's high-stepping across there. Yeah, come on, Jesus. And what does the Word of God say? He began to focus on the wind and the waves, and fear entered in, and he sunk. And Jesus is telling him in this moment, Peter, before, I feel the Holy Spirit, before you are ever used by me in the way that I desire to use you, there's going to be a a sifting and there's going to be a shaking because there is something in there that I have to get out. Are you following me this morning? And Peter simply like, here, here was his response. He rebukes Jesus. He does. We just read it. Lord, Lord, I will go to prison with you. I will die for you. Do you see the pride beginning to swell up? You look at the Pearl Harbor example again. It was pride to say you have an enemy out there that wants to destroy you but we are going to let everybody go on leave. Can I tell you what's happened in the church? A lot of the church is on leave. And this is not a time and a season to be on leave. It's time to be at your battle stations. Because the only way the church loses is if we're not at the battle station and we don't resist. And Peter is getting ready to have the bombs of the enemy dropping in his life Jesus has warned him very plainly and very clearly, this is what's getting ready to happen. And Peter's response is much like our response, or much like the response of everybody sitting around that table. Couldn't be me. There's no way this would be me. Amen? So number one, there will be an attack, and Jesus will prepare you for the attack. And his problem was a sinking problem. Often the greatest fall will transpire transpire in the life of the individual that thought it could never happen. Are you tracking with me? How many have raised kids in here? (laughs) 
Do your kids listen? Thank you. I'm not alone. Can I make a confession? I didn't listen either when I was a kid. I'll never forget, and Leah's never heard this story, so Leah, forgive me for what I'm about to tell. I was watching the kids one day, and uh, yeah, all the best stories start with I was watching the kids one day. Dad was watching the kids one day. I was kind of keeping an eye on them. I think, there was a fo- I think there was a football game on that day. And we had told and told and told my son Hudson he would get up on the top. We had a swing set, a wooden swing set, and we had a little, it had a little clubhouse type of thing on the side. So you would slide down on this side. You would swing with a couple swings on this side. And his buddy Kyler lived next door, and there was a wooden fence between our houses. And they got in the habit, Hudson would, and I saw him do it a couple times. He would get up on the top of that swing set, and he would walk across the wood and jump over and cling to the fence and then throw himself over the fence. Well, where I watched TV was right. It wasn't, we didn't have a very big backyard. I mean, it wasn't big at all. And one day I just heard, thunk, thunk, thunk. And I went out, and I didn't know if he had survived it or not. But listen, the warning was given. The warning wasn't heeded. And something detrimental and could have been much worse happened. But guess what? He never did again. He never walked across the top of the swing set that I know of anyway. (laughs) Same thing for me when I was a kid. What did my dad drill into me? He drilled into me many, many times. Many times. Jason, you just started driving. I have a 16-year-old that just started driving. What am I teaching and telling him? You are not at a level of driving to drive aggressively. I don't know where he would have learned how to drive aggressively, but that's a whole other sermon. And listen, when I was a kid, got six, turned 16, got a car, and my dad just constantly drilled in me, do not, do not drive aggressively. We lived on a country road. We lived in a subdivision up on a hill, and the little country road was called 104. And on 104, you could be driving 55, 60 miles per hour and come around a corner, and there would be a tractor driving to one of the farms or slower traffic. And he just drilled at me, Jason, you're not at the place where you can pass anybody. If you get behind somebody that's driving slower, just slow down. Well, it was was summertime, got my... License in the spring, it was summertime, got a call from a friend. He said, hey, my mom will give you money if you can pick me up for football practice, give you gas money, if you can take me because she's at work and I can't go to daytime lifting and conditioning and all those kind of things. So I picked him up, and I get in the car, and we're driving down 104. I'm going 55, 60. And up ahead are three cars on a double yellow line up ahead of me. And my thought is, I want to give him his money's worth. He's paying for this show. Come on. So I get up behind those cars going about 45, and I just drive a 68 Camaro. And I go to pass him, not knowing that there's a car coming around the other side. Thank the Lord I got off the road. It scared him to death. He never rode with me after that day, by the way. He never got back in the car. He never got back in there. Went off, barely missed a sign, got back on the road. I got past the cars, but I had to go back home and change my clothes after that. (laughs) 
But guess what dawned on me in that moment? The warning that had been given before. In the scripture, Peter had a problem. We sometimes have a problem. And it's called pride. And not heeding warnings of the Bible of what the enemy is trying to do in our families, in our lives, and around us. And we don't heed. Listen, Jesus will prepare you and warn you of what the enemy is getting ready to do. But sometimes we haven't prepared ourselves spiritually. We haven't prepared ourselves in any way, shape, or form for what the enemy says he's going to try to do. It's not an if, church. It's a when. And as the, your pastor, I want you to be prepared because I have seen people, listen to me, the attack comes and God's desire is that you make it all the way through it with your faith intact. But in this story, we see, he then goes on in the next scripture we just read, was him finally denying Jesus that third time, right? What's going on there? He's followed at a distance, the Bible says. Anytime you get to following Jesus at a distance, you're in spiritual danger. He's following Jesus at a distance. He's been warned and warned. He's going, the enemy wants to sift you. He wants to shake you. He wants to, to, to rattle you up, Peter. And he gets into the situation where Jesus, in the scripture we just read, he's probably being taken from one spot to another spot after his trial because it says this. And here's the thing about what we just read. It wasn't like they were accusing him of anything. They were just saying, hey, don't you know him? Don't, don't you know this, Jesus? Tell us what's really going on here. We're, not, we're, we're out of the loop. Why'd they arrest him? What's going on? And he says, I tell you the truth, I don't even know him. And it says, at that moment, imagine this for a second. At that moment, the rooster crows. And Jesus makes eye contact with him. There was some way they're either bringing Jesus from one room to another, or there may, uh, historical things tell us there was a window there of the room. Jesus is bloody. He's beaten. He's on trial, being accused of death. He's going to go to Pilate later on. Listen, have you ever had the rooster crowing moment in your life? Tell me the truth. Have you ever had the moment where the rooster crows and something mama or dad or grandfather or grandma or a friend or a preacher or somebody else has said before and you have that rooster crowing moment because can I tell you something today? We never dreamed that just one pill would turn into a life of addiction. We never dreamed that just one drink could turn into a lifetime of spending your life in bars and blowing all your money. Come on, somebody. Listen, we never dream that that one harmless text message with that coworker would turn into you having an affair and breaking up your family. But can I tell you this morning, that is exactly how the enemy operates and the warning is all through scripture to keep sober and keep vigilant because none of us are above the ability to fall. The Bible tells us very clearly, take heed where you stand lest you fall. That's the warning of scripture. The best place that I can get you today is an acknowledgement that I could fall into anything. 
this thing where we act like we've got it all figured out and we can never get duped by the enemy and we can never get tricked by the enemy and we can never go down. A, a young kid that clicks open a browser on the internet and begins to look at pornography doesn't see 25 years down the road where he has two failed marriages. The devil never gives you the end of the thing. He only gives you what it looks like in the moment and what it looks like in the moment shines and it sparkles and it looks really good, but he doesn't show you the destruction. Now, I'm telling the truth this morning. The Bible says that about about drinking. It it sparkles in its glass. It it sparkles. But in the end, it bites like a snake. Listen, I've woken up some mornings where a bit like a snake the night before. Come on, somebody. You guys are acting like you don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Come on. Let's all not be too holy to say. Anybody else have the testimony that you have found yourself in something? Peter, in that moment, found himself with an aha moment of Jesus told me this was going to happen. And the best place that we can get to is evaluating and understanding that none of us are above anything. Can, we, can I tell you the best thing you can do as a Christian is simply say, but for the grace of God, go I. When you stay close to the Lord, you stay close to the ability to hear him and to hear him say, like he did to Peter, Peter, there's something I've got to... Can I give you the best news I can? He didn't say in there that, Peter, I'm going to keep you from attack. Peter, I'm going to keep you from being sifted. Peter, I'm going to keep you from being shaken. Peter, I'm not going to allow this to happen in your life. What the devil means for evil, God can and will turn for good and for his glory. Because, listen to me, the the whole purpose of this was to work something out of Peter's life that needed to be worked out so that he could go on and do what he needed to do. In that moment, listen, in that moment, what's happening? He's falling. And listen, I'm looking at a bunch of people, and you're looking at a pastor. I have had dust and mud and dirt all over my face because I have face-planted in my spiritual life before. I've done it. Boom. Can I tell you the good news? Though the righteous man falls seven times, the Lord picks him up every single time. You've got to go all the way through it. Because going all the way through it means you get on the other side with something removed that was hindering you. Peter was called and going to be the one that stood on a balcony and preached a a 10-minute sermon. I preached 30 minutes and don't see the fruit that he saw. What does that tell me? He allowed God to take him all the way through the process. That juxtaposes in this story... The story of Judas, who is the one that betrayed Jesus, sitting at the table. And Peter, who was ultimately, listen, he was ultimately restored to a place. Listen, in one of the other Gospels, after Jesus is risen again, there's an invitation that goes out. And one of the invitations specifically says, and tell Peter. Can I tell you something this morning? If you have fallen flat on your face, I've got the best news that I can give you. You have learned a lesson, and you're going to learn how to rely on God and his grace and his strength like you never have before. And listen to me, that is a victory no matter what anybody says. 
There's some lessons. Listen to me. Are there not some lessons? Because Jesus told him this. When you have returned, Jesus was speaking in faith. Why do I say that? Because you had one disciple sitting at the table, and it says in the Bible, and this blows me away, it says, a lot of people skip over this, but it's so important to understand that Judas says he was cut to the heart because he betrayed the Lord. But listen to me. You say, what's the difference there? And the word isn't metanoia, which is repentance. It's a guilty feeling. Can I tell you this morning, coming in here with guilty feelings because you haven't been maybe at church for three months, it's not what God's looking for. God is looking for people who will repent, God is looking for people who will confess. God is looking for people who will be honest with him and say, this is my condition. And God, I don't want to continue to live in this condition. But Judas, in the story, was guilty. He goes and throws the money down at the priests. And he says, I can't do this. I've betrayed innocent blood. And he walks out. And the the priests all of a sudden have a conscience. They've just condemned an innocent man to death. And they're like, we can't take this and put it in the church offering because it's blood money. I mean, now you're worried about blood money. Really? And it says they took that. And, and one of the Gospels is very clear. And, and, it, and it says of, the, of what was told by the prophet Jeremiah. One time I went and looked in Jeremiah, and I don't see anything about 30 pieces of silver I don't see anything about a buying of a... I don't see in Zechariah, 1,500 years, six times the number of days that this country's even been a country. 1,500 years before in Zechariah, it's talking about there will be 30 pieces of silver that was paid. It's very clear in there. I'm like, why Jeremiah? I'm like, is there a mistake? The Bible doesn't make mistakes. It was used to buy what was called the potter's field. You want me to paint you a beautiful picture of redemption? Beautiful picture. The money was used to buy the place where all the cracked pots. Come on, how many cracked pots do we have? (laughs) Cracked pots. I'm at CCC. Come on, y'all. All the things that were discarded. Come on. All the things that were no longer useful. All the things that nobody else wanted. Can I tell you who your God is? You may have fallen flat on your face and say, God, I am just clay. But can I tell you in Jeremiah, he says he collects the clay. Where does he go and collect it? In the potter's field of the world of the things that nobody else could use and nobody else could say that is useful at all. Can I tell you, when you give your life to God, he begins to put all the pieces back together and he begins to form you and he begins to mold you. You want me to paint you another picture of God's beautiful grace? Think about something. Go back to the garden with me. Jesus sets an appointment with Peter. He says, Peter, we're going to meet. We're going to have a meal. And it was likened to a restoration. Not an accident. It was a fire burning because the last place he, he, he denied the Lord was in, was at a fire, Right? And that fire, as he walks up to it, how many understand the, 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 the sense of smell is one of the most powerful fac- faculties that we have? Come on, so you smell something and it takes you back, right? Hopefully to a good place. And he's gathered there with Jesus, and Jesus is restoring him. But think about something for a second. In the garden, the story we just read in verse 59, 
It says that when Jesus was arrested, what was Peter doing? He was operating in his own bravado and he was operating in pride. Why do I know that? Because in that moment, Jesus had already told him, that's enough of that. We got sword, two swords. Everybody looks at that and thinks Jesus was saying, well, that'll be enough. I'm the, I'm the son of God. I can take over the whole world with two swords. And he could. When Jesus was done praying and giving his will completely to the Father to go to the cross, he looks at, he, there was so much anointing and power on him in that moment when he said, I am, they all fell down. We missed that. When your life is completely submitted to God, completely, he will anoint and give you power to speak things and see them happen. He says, that's enough. They didn't listen. Why? I can never fall. I can never mess up. Let me just paint you a beautiful picture of redemption, not only in the potter's field. Why? Because God can turn and work all things together for good. That's who he is. Can I tell you something this morning? He's a God of restoration. That's who he is. That's what he does. And the beautiful picture here is, think about this. In the, in the story we just read, he jumps up and he cuts the right ear off of the, the high priest servant. Do you know what the punishment for touching the high priest servant was? Death. You were supposed to be put to death. So he is beginning to be shaken. He is beginning to be sifted. He is beginning to fall flat on his face. And Jesus, we we look at that story and we're like, oh, that's cool. He's healed him. He was destroying the evidence against Peter in the moment he put, because Malchus, his name was Malchus according to the other gospels. His name was Malchus and Malchus went back to the high priest and he said, hey, Peter attacked me. Go arrest him. And they're like, what? Can I tell you what the enemy does? He goes to the father and he says, hey, you can't bless so-and-so because they've fallen flat on their face. What evidence? Because as far as the east is from the west, so he has removed our sins from us. Even when we're in the midst of falling, God is destroying the evidence that was against you and I because Peter should have never even been alive to meet with Jesus. Anybody else have the testimony like me that came out of drugs and alcohol? You shouldn't even be alive this morning. And if you wonder why I bow down and I jump and I sing and I shout, because God has restored me and it's not according to anything I've done, but it's according to his goodness and it's according to his mercy. Even when I was falling on my face at 22 years old, he was destroying the evidence against me by his blood and by his grace and by his mercy. But Peter needed to learn a lesson, right? Peter needed to learn something about himself. Because you even see pride creep crop. Here's what you saw in Peter's life. There was a pride. But listen, just as simply, there was also fear. How do I know that? Because he goes to Jesus' trial and he's looking and he was fearful of the wind and waves. And then he got fearful of the people going to accuse him. And it it shows you a whole different side of this understanding that he had really done something wrong just not an hour before. Are you following me? He listen, we understand that we've done something wrong. What we don't understand is the the depths that God will go in order to pick you back up. The places and here's what Jesus was saying to Peter. Was Peter, there's going to be a shaking, there's going to be a sifting. I have prayed that your faith would remain. 
Can I tell you this morning, in the midst of the shaking, in the midst of the sifting, understand that there, you have an enemy. Understand that he doesn't like you because you're made in the, you're one of God's kids. If you can't get at somebody, then what do people do? They get at the ones that they love, right? That's the devil's M.O. He can't affect God. God's God. And the devil is even, he's under God's boot. He's on God's chain. That's an understanding. And here's how it, it starts for us. And here's what I want to warn you of. It starts with saying, like Peter did, man, that could never be me. If you ever have the statement, catch yourself. If you ever have the statement, we're bad about this as Christians. I am. So much going on and around in our world, isn't there? So many things just disgust me. Are you with me this morning? I just, I'm a good old boy from southern Ohio. It's like, that's disgusting. I thank you, God, that I'm not like them. Thank you. But I am. Do you understand? We all are. Listen, with my kids, I've told them many times, you are, not, you are not authorized to imitate my weaknesses. But by God's grace, you imitate my strengths. Amen. Why? And I preached it a couple weeks ago. I've been, I've been so blessed by the response from we all have a withered hand. Yes, we, do. we all have that place that we... Jesus wants to make the one hand just like the other. Jesus wants you to understand on a very deep level, yes, the enemy comes. He comes. But what God is ultimately doing is working something out of us that would sink us later. Are you following me? If he hadn't dealt with his pride, we never would have solved the 10,000. Listen to me. Peter got to such a place of not reliance on himself and reliance on God's spirit and God's power that listen to me, they would come to him and say, look, we're going to behead you if you don't quit preaching Jesus. Can I tell you in your weaknesses and your strengths today, if you would just take the the one thing and say, I don't care what's going on in the world, I'm just going to keep loving on people and preaching Jesus. I'm just going to keep loving on people and preaching Jesus. You will get through any fire and any trial and any sifting and any shaking because God is in his purpose is taking you from faith to faith and glory to glory. But in the end term, in the midterm, in the in-between time, there's a shaking that happens in our lives that's working something out and God's working something in. Amen? Amen. Stand with me this morning. Tammy, if you'd just come, we'll just have the piano here for a few minutes while I finish up. He told him this. He said, Peter, I'm praying for you that you won't fail during the attack. But he did fail. So there's an attack and there's a fall. And here's where I want to end up. I want to take you back. Everybody bow your head and close your eyes. Let me get a little drink of water real quick. I want to take you back to the upper room in the time Jesus was spending with his disciples in communion. And again, Jesus warns them. 
And then they go into striking up an argument about who's the greatest. And Jesus very clearly says, Peter, even you are capable of denying me. And then Jesus does this. He says, Peter, Simon, Peter, James, John, you three come with me. And we could speculate and say, well, that was the ones that were the greatest. But I don't think that's what was going on. He separates, those were his closest, he was good friends with them. It's that simple. He says, you three come with me. Where were they going? They were going to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus was going to go a stone's throw away. And here's what he looked at them and said. He said, you three, listen to me now for just a minute with your head bowed and your eyes closed. You three, I want you to pray that you may not enter into temptation. The warning was given. It was ignored. The pride came into the picture. And especially Peter, who he was talking to, He was telling him, Peter, I've told you that you're going to be sifted. I've told you that you're going to be shaken. I told you that the difficulty is here and is coming into your zip code. Pray with me. And we all know the story. Jesus would come back and they'd be asleep. Listen to me this morning. There is no doubt in my mind that the enemy wants to sift your house. And God may or he may not permit it. But there is no doubt that God can and God will use what the enemy meant for evil and he will turn it for good. But listen to me. But you've got to be intentional not to let your faith fail. Peter's faith failed on the water and he sunk. Peter's faith failed when he was questioned outside Jesus' trial. Listen to me. The sifting is to get the sinking stuff out of your faith. He's shaking everything that can be shaken so that what remains is of God. And what what some of you are going through today is not meant to destroy you. It is meant to build you, and it's meant to increase you, and it's meant to grow your faith, and it's meant to let things shake out so that thing that is going to sink later on that you're not even aware of. So what do we do in the midst of the difficulty? Just like he told Peter, watch and pray. What are we watching and praying? You're watching your faith, and you're watching that it does not give up in the middle of the shaking, in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the difficulty. Lift your hands with me today. I feel the Holy Spirit ministering to hearts and ministering to people. Father, today, God, wherever we find ourselves, first, Lord, I I just want to say for myself, and I know the majority of this congregation, God, forgive us of pride. God, we do not want to be pride. We don't want to take, we want to take heed where we stand lest we fall. God, we never want to say we would never do that. We would never be involved in this. We would never have that happen in our lives because, God, today we said, but for the grace of God, go we. God, we repent of things in our life where we haven't heeded the warnings, where we haven't heeded your voice telling us what is coming down the road. God, you're so faithful to minister to our hearts. But today, God, we say today as a congregation, 
Father, remove anything in us that would sink us later on, God. Through the sifting, through the shaking, through the work of the Holy Spirit in each of our lives. God, even though that we've fallen flat on our face, God, we get back up today. We hear your call today. We hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. We know that there is an agenda and a meeting even with you, Lord, where you can look at us and say, do you love me? God, we don't even trust our own love for you sometimes. Lord, it's so weak. But God, we do know this, and this is what I pray over this congregation today, Father, that our faith would continue to carry us through the storm, continue to carry us through the shaking, continue to carry us, because God, there is a shaking coming on this earth, but God, it will reveal what is being built on. And anything built on faith, hope, and love, God, we anchor ourselves into. But whatever is built on this world system and anything that's built in the world's way, God, we can count on it falling But, Lord, we will not suffer loss because we have built in you all along, God. We store our hearts and our treasures up in heaven where moth does not eat and rust destroy and thieves steal. Because where our treasure is, God, our heart lies. God, we treasure your working in our life. We treasure the moving of the Holy Spirit in the intimacy that is birthed through that, God, today. God, let anything that would sink us, be removed. And God, we thank you for your redemption today. We thank you, God, that you destroyed the evidence against us, Lord. The accuser of the brethren's mouth is silenced this morning, God, because what is in faith and what is committed to you and what is repented of and turned from is under the precious blood of Jesus today. Put your hands down. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. I want to ask this question because there's a lot of people here that I don't recognize. And I always want to make sure that before I end a service that I give you this invitation. And here's the invitation. Is to commit your entire being and life to Jesus and him alone. There is no halfway in the kingdom because the world we're living in, halfway will chew you up and spit you out. It will. These are not normal days. These are not average days. These aren't Andy Griffith show days. They're not. These are days that we need to be wrapped and tightly armored and with the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith up up in front of us. I want to ask you this question. You say, I want to give my life and my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Make him Lord of my life. And you may be saying, if I do that, then all the fun's over. Can I tell you something? The, the fun that the devil presents is a mirage and it will destroy you and send you to a devil's hell. That's how serious it is to turn your back on God when these moments like this come. We don't embarrass anybody here. This is between you and God. And when you, when you pray from a heart that says, God, I give you everything, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away and the new has come. Can I just see a hand if anybody would like to commit themselves to the Lord today? Anybody across this room? Amen. 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 Let's all pray this together. We got people that say, I want Jesus to be first place in my life. Let's pray this together today. Pray it with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you with an honest heart. I have fallen many times. But today, I ask you to pick me up. Wash me clean. I repent of my sins. I put my faith in you. I trust you. 
that you died, were buried, and rose again. Come into my life, change my heart, give me an appetite for the things of the kingdom. Make me new, forgive me, I make you Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, guys, I want to I want to leave you with this. The difference between Judas and Peter was that Judas went to the priests and Peter went to Jesus. You're not coming to a church and you're not coming to a pastor. When you come to Jesus and repent, he takes residence up in your life. And there's a, there's a new appetite, so you've got to feed that appetite with community, with being in the house of the Lord, and being able to be together. Amen? Amen? Lift your hands and let me bless you before I dismiss you. Father, as pastor of this great church, Father, I bless the people of God. Father, I pray they would be protected, they would be watched over. Father, would you put your angels around them and their families and their children and their children's children. Father, we declare blessing over the people of God today. Father, may they be blessed going in and may they be blessed going out. May they be blessed in their jobs and, Father, blessed in their homes. God, we pray that your face would turn and shine upon them and you would give them rest and you would give them peace. God, watch over us until you bring us back together at the appointed time. Lord, we love you today and we give you all the glory, praise, and honor. For it's in Jesus Christ's holy name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. If you visited with us today, welcome. We love you. Thank you for coming. Um, just as a, because a, a lot of people don't know, our tithes and offering boxes, we don't pass a plate. They're in the back if you want to leave your tithes or offerings. They're right there behind the pole there. God bless and go in the name of the Lord, church. Amen.